The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 26th College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Guadalupe's Mexican Grill Food Made Fresh kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. For the last five years in the month of November, all Notre Dame has done is win. In 2018, down went Northwestern, Florida State, Syracuse, and USC as the Irish closed out an undefeated regular season and earned a CFP playoff berth. In 2019, down went Virginia Tech, Duke, Navy, Boston College, and Stanford five straight as the Irish nicely recovered from a loss at the end of October to Michigan. In 2020, down went number one Clemson. Boston College, and number 19, North Carolina. The Irish again emerged from the regular season unscathed and earned another CFP spot. In 2021, down went Navy, Virginia, Georgia Tech, and Stanford. The Irish again won out in November and earned a berth in the New Year's Six Fiesta Bowl. And this year, so far, so good. Down have gone number four Clemson and Navy. In all, the Irish have won 18 straight in the month of November, and this week, they look to extend that dominance over the month on Senior Day in South Bend against the Boston College Eagles. Guadalupe's Mexican Grill, located on Illinois Road, look for new Fort Wayne locations soon. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight. From America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, Senior Editor of IrishIllustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and refreshing Coors Light, made to chill. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values, which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and expertise provide peace of mind for you and your business. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning, the full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. Tim Priester, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. It's never easy to play Navy. And more times than not, you get a, shall we say, an odd football game. 
So, after a big first half, did the Irish think they could maybe phone in that second half? Was this an attitude problem? Maybe a post-Clemson delayed letdown or something like that? I kind of threw that notion out there after the game. I, you know, I, I think that there you do reach a point, though, sometimes where there is physical and mental overload. And, and when you follow up a, a, a momentous victory like Nardame had against Clemson, and then deal with like playing football on another planet to quote Mike Golick Jr. Uh, perhaps that's it. But I, I think more than anything, it was a quarterback that was very inefficient in the second half after being very good in the first half. And that stalled multiple drives, including a, a wide open pass to, to Michael Mayer that would have put Notre Dame back up by 18 or potentially put them back up by 18. So, uh, you know, and then the defense is on the field the whole time in the second half. So a multitude of things. But, um, you know, ultimately it comes down to Marcus Freeman getting his team mentally and, and emotionally prepared to play for four quarters every week. And that's difficult to do. Well, that urgency word that has been a buzzword all season long didn't. I just wonder how many times we heard that word at halftime of that game, because there didn't seem to be a lot of urgency in the second half. Drew Pine, though, an outstanding. I got to cite his statistics for the game. I don't. I want to mention that in the show. Seventeen of twenty-one, two sixty-nine, four TDs. He ran for another one. Great numbers overall, but in the second half, he just couldn't make a right decision. Uh, Tim, uh, defensive coordinator Al Golden this week uh, talked about avoiding an option hangover. I think you and I combined have watched about a zillion Notre Dame Navy games. We know what an option hangover is, but talk about what an option hangover might might be. Well, the, I mean, the problem is that you've, you've come off a week where you've where your preparation has been completely different and you do have to reacclimate. I know it sounds, you know, it sounds like it should be easy, but you do have to reacclimate to what you're accustomed to doing on a weekly basis. And coaches, football coaches will tell you that. And so, I, you know, I and I understand El Golden saying that, but I really I don't think that that's going to be the case this week against Boston College. Boston College is a rival. Uh, everybody know everybody in Notre Dame knows that Boston College is going to bring their best, and they're playing their best right now. Um, so, I at senior day, you know, last time through, I know sometimes emotions can get the best of guys, but I, I really think that they're going to respond um, in, in a manner that. Uh, um, you know, puts that Navy game behind them. But I know where Al Golden's coming from because bef- the week before uh, or the week of and then the week after can be difficult when you're dealing with the triple option. Yeah, and I have no doubt that uh, the Notre Dame team is anxious to put that behind them because it is a difficult transition to play against that option. And then you got to transition back to regular football. And, and let's talk about that Navy option. Just one more question about Navy. Tim, why continue to play Navy and focus on two aspects of this? Focus on the football reasons why Notre Dame should play Navy and the institutional reasons why Notre Dame should play Navy, because I think the answers are opposite of each other. I think they very much are, Phil. I mean, from an institutional standpoint, the Naval Academy uh, bailed, helped bail Notre Dame out in the 40s when they were having trouble with enrollment and staying alive. And, you know, Father Hesburgh never forgot that. And um, there's been a commitment to the Naval Academy. And that carries on. I, I think that we live in a, you know, we live in a political environment now, too, where it, it's important that 
uh, Notre Dame supports the military as well. And so we're not, I mean, we're not in a position or I don't think Notre Dame's in a position where they can play to the football side of it. And the football side of it says uh, there's not, there's not a whole lot to be gained for Notre Dame because everything is different in preparation for it. And then the Navy hangover Navy and Notre Dame are intertwined for the rest of our lifetime, uh, Phil, I believe. And I think that's a very good thing, but from a football standpoint, no, it does not help Notre Dame at all. Uh, about the only thing I can think of is maybe you can say that having to go through that that schizophrenic approach to uh, particularly defensive football, it builds character in your team and might come in handy at some point. But I agree, it, it's not going to end uh, anytime soon. I, I just couldn't imagine being the the president or the AD that makes that decision to cancel. It, the only way it might end is if Navy, for some reason, wants out, if if their priorities change. But I don't see that happening either. I don't think that's happening. Tim, uh, last week, our our key player of the of the game that you nominated, uh, J.D. Bertrand. How much was he missed during this game? Because you thought he was going to be a key, and so did I. Yeah, he he was injured in in the Clemson game, and and he gave it a try pregame, but it, it wasn't going to work for him. And I, you know, I think it was huge. We've we've been talking about JD Bertrand quite a bit the last couple of weeks about what he means to the Notre Dame defense and the team in because he is just the ultimate leader. His ability to line everybody up and, and to make the right decisions against triple option was badly missed uh, against Navy. You know, I'm not saying he's mistake-free, but the one thing I know about J.D. Bertrand is the Mike linebacker, and that is that he would understood more than anybody that the one thing that couldn't happen was for the fullback to gash you for 50 yards and 35 yards and a 15-yard run. So I believe he would have been in place for some of those game-changing and uh, momentum-changing runs, but it appears uh, – that uh, he should be ready to go this week, but I think that was a that was a huge loss for Notre Dame. Yeah, that's it, good news. That that fullback ran for 133 yards, and I'm confident, just like you, that if JD Bertrand had been in the game, that that number's not nearly that big, and that would have changed the the whole game. Uh, one of the highlights of the game has to be the performances of the wide receivers uh, in the first half: Lindsey Thomas, Colsey, ten catches, 182 yards. And Tim, was Brandon Lindsay's TD catch one of the most amazing catches you have ever seen, or maybe the most amazing catch you've ever seen? I mean, it might, it might be the most amazing one because it's, I mean, what happened was ridiculous. The only way he could catch the football is if he gave a, gave a bear hug to cornerback Mabidi Williams Jr., and that's what he did. <laughs> he wrapped his arms around his midsection because that's where the football was grabbed it with two and then then clasped it with one and celebrated the touchdown. It was amazing. It was badly needed by Braden Lindsay. He's been open a lot this year. He's been open deep for touchdown passes and he's been overthrown. And in the past he's dropped some of those. Uh, and so here we got a big kick out of it. Irish Illustrated because I don't know how many times we've said that, you know, he's, we can't ever remember Braden Lindsay winning a contested pass and he made the most contested reception you could possibly imagine it, it just bears re watching if you haven't watched it fans it, it's amazing the way he, he and he said this week that he didn't really see the ball but he knew where it was probably going to be 
and he could feel it on the back of the defender, and he pulls it out with one hand and didn't lose the football while he's gripping it with just one hand. An amazing catch. I, I just stood up and just said, how in the world did he do that? That was an exciting catch, as good as any you'll see this whole season, maybe ever. Tim, let's move on to a little recruiting news. We don't do that a lot on this show, but uh, some really good recruiting news for the Irish this week. Nothing is certain yet, but it's looking almost certain. Uh, The Irish have been in search of a quarterback for their 2023 class. Lots of stops and starts in this recruitment. It wasn't looking good, like they were going to get one at all. And now they may have found one, a four-star prospect out of the state of Tennessee. Talk about it. Yeah, it's Kenny Minchie, uh, about six foot two, maybe slightly under that, but not shorter than that. A little bit over 200 pounds and, and uh, just a really dynamic quarterback. He was verbally committed to Pittsburgh. He verbally decommitted this week with the intention of visiting Notre Dame this weekend. And we expect him to, if he doesn't make a verbal commitment, or let's put it this way, he probably already has, but we're talking about a public Announcement. He's from the same high school that Golden Tate attended in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Tennessee. He is just ultra accurate, a confident kid, makes all the throws, uh, a pass first guy, I think has a great ability to understand where the chess pieces on the board are at all times. And when you consider that the early signing date is December 21st and he was verbally committed to Pittsburgh, it's really an amazing catch for Notre Dame and, and will transform, help transform the quarterback room next year because the idea is to still get a transfer or grad transfer quarterback. So the skimpy quarterback room is going to be crowded next year. Yeah, your film study article on him on irishillustrated.com um, really got me excited about this young man. I think it's uh, it's a just a tremendous addition a surprising addition to this class at this point, again, as you said. Okay, Tim, weekly bold destination question. Right now, what are we most likely looking at? Well, it looks like they're zeroing in on the Holiday Bowl in San Diego. It's played on December 28th. Notre Dame has never played in the Holiday Bowl. I think it's a uh, it's a destination for a lot of college football players and college football fans. Uh, it's always been a real high-scoring uh, bowl game, but it looks like it's it's going to be that. And 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 the reason is it, it's uh, twofold, I guess. Uh, number one, the, the ACC has multiple teams to be chosen for uh, the Gator Bowl, uh, for the Cheez-It Bowl, which is the old Camping World Bowl that Notre Dame attended. Uh, Florida State, North Carolina is a possibility there. Um, who else am I looking at? I mean, there's, there's a couple teams that certainly that will qualify for that level of bowl. So holiday bowl, uh, December 28th, looking like definitely a team from the pack 12. And right now the athletic Pete Sampson is on our podcast. The athletic is projecting, uh, an opponent by the name of UCLA. So it'd be an interesting battle in San Diego. Okay, well, as long as it's a warm place and they have a good airport, I'm in, and it qualifies. So, by the well, Notre Dame needs to win one of the next two games. So, if they win against Boston College, it doesn't really matter what happens in the in the um, USC game in terms of where Notre Dame's bowl destination would be. Okay, there you have it. Now, Tim, uh, your Thursday thoughts column this week on irishillustrated.com, you referred to a game that you covered that you consider to be the most devastating loss you experienced in 41 years. I, of course, 
didn't need to read any further. I knew what you were talking about. Talk about that day a little bit. Maybe it'll be therapeutic and maybe it'll get Irish fans, you know, their blood boiling a little bit for this weekend's matchup. Well, Phil, that, that day occurred in uh, in late November of 1993. Notre Dame had defeated top-ranked Florida State uh, uh, the week before and uh, had to play Boston College the following week to to uh, to close out the season undefeated and then go on and play for the national championship. Well, Boston College was coached by this uh, by a guy by the name of Tom Coughlin, and BC was number 16 in the nation. So they were no slouch except Notre Dame had beaten them by six to seven touchdowns a year before, so most expected it to be a cakewalk, but it wasn't. And it was a devastating loss for Notre Dame when Gordon kicked a 41-yard field goal to end the game. I uh, still think that Notre Dame should have had the opportunity to play for the national title because they had beaten Florida State. It ended up being Florida State that got that opportunity and claimed it. But, uh, yeah, had some t- had some devastating ones over the course of – remembering about 55 or 56 seasons, but that was, uh, that was the toughest one. There's some, there's some USC games in there, Phil, from our, from our youth, from our uh, early days and teenage days, but that one was the most devastating for me. Yeah, it, it absolutely was because it just had that exact direct bearing on, on the national championship. And it was pretty unexpected. Uh, I, I recall that day. I recall it vividly it was the last game in the stadium that my dad attended that I attended with him and uh, I remember walking out of the stadium Tim and seeing grown men openly weeping over the result of the game it was that unexpected that that devastating that was a tough day so Let's keep getting our revenge on Boston College as best we can. Tim, one Thanksgiving quick hit. Let's talk turkey. What is your preferred way of preparing the Thanksgiving turkey or having it prepared for you, whichever your choice is? You have you have some options for me here? Well, I, I traditional oven method. Uh, I like brined. Get, you can brine it and you can do it in the oven. You can have a grilled turkey. Smoked turkey is really good. Deep fried turkey or or you know, something else. I'm sure there's other options out there. Well, I'm, I'm pretty traditional, Phil. So I would say in the oven, but if I had to choose one of the others that you suggested, uh, I don't think ever having any of those, I would say smoked turkey. Oh, smoked turkey is outstanding. And now, you know, maybe you're going to get for Christmas from me. So, um, in, in any event, I'm, I'm a big turkey fan myself. I'll like them any of those ways. Deep fried is absolutely amazing, but it is so messy. And uh, I'll tell you, the way we usually do it is we typically brine our turkey and we bake it in a cooking bag, and it works, man. It's just perfect. And uh, that's a tribute to my wife, Linda, of course. I've also had the smoked turkey that you talk about, and you would like it. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero, key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by Ron Wise and the Wise Insurance Agency. This is the 380th edition of Fighting Irish Preview. This is Art Salzburg. I don't speak for a lot of companies, but Sharon McCulloch is a firm that provides a great and much-needed service. As Sharon and I get older, we've been thinking of moving, but frankly, the thought is somewhat overwhelming. 
That's where Sharon McCulloch comes in with a full-service plan that takes the pressure off. Listen to this. Sharon McCulloch will sell your house, auction the items you don't want to take, then pack everything else and move you. In sports terms, that's a blowout win. Sharon McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They'll get top dollar for your special treasures. Sheer McCulloch is highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms, plus they're AAA with the Better Business Bureau. Call them at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. They'll make your moving experience easy and profitable. Sheer McCulloch. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the Wise Insurance Agency. Notre Dame has scored 35 or more points in four consecutive games accomplishing that feat for just the 10th time in their history. The Irish have scored 35 points in five straight games only once in 1943 and have never done it six times in a row. Call Ron Wise at the Wise Insurance Agency or go to thewiseinsuranceagency.com and get an auto or home quote in less than five minutes. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment, made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. This is Fighting Irish Preview, the Irish take on Boston College at home this week. TV coverage on NBC starts at 2.30, South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero. Brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Mastercraft, and Premier Pontoons. New and previously owned, we share your boating passion. And this year we are focusing on the Fighting Irish quarterback since 1988. So far, Tony Rice, Rick Meyer, Kevin McDougal, Ron Paulus, Jarius Jackson, Brady Quinn, Jimmy Clausen, Tommy Reese, Everett Golson, Deshaun Kaiser, and this week a bonus quarterback from a little farther back, Tommy Clements. Considered by his teammates to be a coach on the field, Tom Clements almost didn't go to Notre Dame at all. A multi-sport star in high school, Clements nearly went to North Carolina to play point guard for Dean Smith. But Parsegian won out, and the rest is fighting Irish history. Clements ran the Irish offense from 1972 to 1974, and the teams he led had prolific running games. The Irish, over those three seasons, averaged 312.3 yards per game on the ground. Clements himself contributed to the Irish ground game juggernaut with 1,070 yards and 12 touchdowns in that three-year span. And during that span, not a lot of passing was done by Clements, but he was effective through the air. He passed for 3,594 yards, and interestingly, he threw exactly eight touchdown passes each season. Most impressively, Clements led the Irish to victories, lots of them. He was 29-5 as a starter. Perhaps the most famous pass Clements ever threw came at the 208 mark of the 1973 Sugar Bowl against Alabama. The Irish were clinging to a 24-23 lead, and Notre Dame was backed up to their own three-yard line on third and eight. Clements calmly dropped back to pass from his own end zone and found little-used tight end Robin Weber free upfield near the sideline. The pass was on target, 
and the Irish notched a 36-yard gain that allowed them to run out the clock and claim the 1973 National Championship. After graduation, Clement settled into a 13-year career in the Canadian Football League where he threw 252 touchdown passes for over 39,000 yards and led his teams to two Grey Cup championships. In 1992, he embarked on a coaching career, first at Notre Dame as Lou Holtz's quarterback coach for four seasons. Clements then moved to the NFL, where he is still coaching today, most recently with the Green Bay Packers. Tim Clements was considered to be the ND head coach when Charlie Weiss got hired. Kind of makes you wonder what might have been. Yeah, and I know a lot of former teammates of Tom Clements uh, felt the same way, that they really would have uh, enjoyed the opportunity to watch him as a head coach, a real low-key guy, and I think that that kind of played against him in in getting the job, but a very humble, unaffected, quality human being that I got to know pretty well uh, during his time at Notre Dame as a coach and and even in recent years. But, yeah, he was my favorite, Phil. I think we we share that. He was – he was our favorite Notre Dame quarterback, of course, knowing that Joe Theismann and Joe Montana were great as well. But he just had the cool nature about him and his teammates gravitated to him. You talk about the throw to Robin Weber. Uh, but as a kid, we remember the the past connection of Clements to Demerly, Tom Clements to Pete Demerly. And that was uh, they didn't do it a lot, like you said, because they they ran the ball an awful lot, especially in 73. But Tom Clements, uh, as you can tell by me going on and on about him great deal of respect for that man yeah no no doubt about it uh and uh you know he earned a juris doctor degree from notre dame in 1986 after he had retired from the cfl and went on to practice law for five years before going into coaching so he he's really done it all tom clements another marina at lake gauge all-time irish hero the marina at lake gauge we love boats and it's now time for the aspen mortgage key to an irish victory Boston College is 3-7. They upset number 17 North Carolina State 21-20 last week with a two-yard touchdown pass with 14 seconds remaining. BC's quarterback had been former ND backup Phil Jerkovic, but he has been out with a concussion and a knee injury for the last two games. In his stead, 6'5 freshman Emmett Moorhead has played well. In his two starts, he has combined for 660 yards and seven TD passes. And an offense that has mostly struggled all year is showing signs of life. Jerkovic's status is unclear, but the success of Moorhead makes him the clear favorite to get the start this week. Overall, the Eagle passing game averages a respectable 258 yards per game, 41st nationally, and wide receiver Zay Flowers has speed to burn. He leads the Eagles with 67 catches for 921 yards and 10 TDs. Last week, he burned North Carolina State for 130 yards and two touchdowns. Another former ND player, tight end George Takis, has 24 catches for 248. Boston College has struggled mightily with the run game. Last week, they netted minus one yard on the ground. Kind of sounds like Notre Dame's second half. And their game average of 61 yards ranks them dead last nationally. Pat Garwo, the third, is the top rusher with 296 yards on 99 carries and even three yards per attempt. A big part of the problem has been BC's offensive line, which has been in flux due to injury and has given up 3.9 sacks per game, and that ranks 126th nationally. 
BC runs a 4-2-5 base defense, and senior linebacker Vinny De Palma leads the Eagles with 71 tackles. Sophomore defensive end Donovan Ezruakai is undersized, but having a big year with 51 tackles, six sacks, 11 and a half tackles for loss, and three forced fumbles. Overall, BC is allowing 28.8 points per game, 87th nationally, and they're giving up 366 yards per game, ranking them 54th. One special team stat of note, the Eagles have had two kicks blocked on the year, something that Brian Mason at Notre Dame undoubtedly has taken notice of. Tim Priester, what is the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory? Phil, you mentioned about how they can't run the football, and I can only imagine what Pat Garwell III has gone through because he was a 1,000-yard rusher last year, and he's under 300 yards going into game 11. They can't run it. They have a very difficult time protecting the quarterback, and I know those are things that we said about Stanford a few weeks ago, but it still applies to to BC. They can't run it at all. They're in two point one yards per carry, uh, and so for me, I, I, I think in order for Notre Dame to assure themselves of a victory, they're just going to have to put the hammer down on them at Moorhead. Uh, as you mentioned, they're taking a whole bunch of sacks, and so I'm looking at a bunch of pressure and a bunch of physicality. Uh, by Notre Dame's defensive front on quarterback Emmett Moorhead is the key. Okay, pass rush, pass rush, and more pass rush. That is Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory. And Tim Priester, who is this week's Aspen Mortgage key player for the Irish? Well, I tried it last week, Phil, and I'm going to go back to it because he ended up not playing against Navy. And he, uh, uh, since since mon- Sunday or Monday, Marcus Freeman has said that J.D. Bertrand has been cleared to play. Uh, I think he's going to have a huge day against their their running game. I could probably pick a – I certainly could pick a pass rusher, uh, but I want to go back to Bertrand because I think any type of – he may even actually pick up a sack as he did against Clemson. I think he's the key to, you know, setting everything Norton wants to do up front, uh, and I think that will launch the pass rush and stop the running game. Okay, look for a big day out of J.D. Bertrand, and he is your Aspen Mortgage key Irish player this week. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the Injury Report, brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy now with 22 Indiana locations. Tim, how are the Irish health-wise going into Game 11? Well, they get Bertram back, uh, probably don't get Brandon Joseph back. He missed the Navy game with a with a badly sprained ankle. And then unsure about Jack Kaiser, who was injured on the same play that Xavier Arline, the quarterback for Navy, that was uh, that was injured on. And so uh, those are some pretty key guys, Joseph and Kaiser, but it's good to have Bertram back. Yeah, key guys on the defense, no doubt about it. Thanks, Tim. That is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report, and it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction, brought to you by SES Environmental. Need help navigating environmental risk and with regulatory compliance? You need SES. Look them up at sesadvantage.com. Tim Priester, Vegas says the Irish by 20 and a half. What does America's foremost authority say? When I look at Boston College's defense, I can name about seven different guys that, that I'm impressed with. You mentioned Donovan Ezeraku, uh, one of their defensive ends, and also Marcus Valdez. I think those are good players. They have a good secondary. Um, Bryce Steele, I like their line. They have good players, and, and their wide receiver core is better than Notre Dame's. Uh, I know we've said that before this year, but 
but the combination of flowers, Gill and Griffin is just very good. And so that's why you have to pressure Emmett Moorhead uh, because he will have success with those guys. But I don't think it's going to be enough without the running game. I don't think it's going to be enough uh, with Nordheim's pass rush. This game reminds me from that standpoint of the Virginia game in 2019 when Nordheim had had eight sacks against them. I don't know that they'll get eight, but I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on Emmett Moorhead. I have Nordheim winning this game 26-14. to 14. Okay, kind of an oddball score. Notre Dame 26, BC 14. That is Tim Priester's world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. Uh, I'm saying that the the play of Moorhead, you know, over two games has given this uh, BC offense life, but at best, a one-dimensional team, which the Eagles are on offense, uh, is really going to play into the Irish's hands. Uh, Pass rush, like you said, Tim, I agree. That's going to be a big in this game. And defensively, uh, this is not a vintage BC group. Weather could have an impact on this. That's the word I'm getting a little late after I'd already made this prediction earlier this week. Nonetheless, I think Notre Dame's going to have plenty of opportunities to move the football. Notre Dame 38, Boston College 21. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Brett Rump, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. For more Fighting Irish Preview, check out FightingIrishPreview.com and also listen to and subscribe to our podcast, available on all podcast platforms. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media.